panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Dare we say hashtag binary busters? Um, thank, and thanks if you're listening on a Sunday. Um, thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news as they always do every Sunday from eleven thirty till noon. To get in touch with the show. You can do so by lots of ways, out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. Um, you can text 61401 078 981. You can look for me or out of the pan page on Facebook, or you can um, also um, you know, tweet at Sal Gold Said So, and that's the bottom line. Well, we are into summer here in the Southern Hemisphere today. We'll have a mix of seasonal music to cover both hemispheres. Most of all, though, joined in the studio by a fantabulous guest. Um, He's a veteran of many fields in the community in terms of writing. Um, He's a long-time 3CR volunteer. But um, what got me in today was a great article that he wrote in the POSLINK in the October to December 2013 edition on bisexuality and HIV. Peter Davis, no stranger to the three CR airwaves, but it's good to have you on Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues. Thanks, Sally. So bisexuality and HIV, um, where to dive in? I mean, could dive into the pool of those issues and um, um, sort of, you know, where do we start? Perhaps, do you want to give, perhaps if it's okay, a little bit of an outline of your own story in relation to those and other aspects of your life? Sure, um... I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne and uh, finished school in the summer of 84, 85 and was very lucky to uh, move out of the suburbs and get a, a job at a hotel called the Prince of Wales Hotel mm-hmm. in, in St Kilda and it was a great fast education that there's a whole other world out there apart mm-hmm. from the suburbs and and during that first summer I had a, a couple of um, sexual experiences, one with a guy and one with a girl and I contracted HIV in that first summer outside of home, and then um, I was diagnosed about three years later when I um, developed a severe fever for two weeks and was put into Fairfield Hospital, the old infectious mm-hmm. diseases hospital, and I was put into the um, AIDS ward at that time. Yeah. Wow. And so that's mid eighties. You know, the yeah. HIV situation, we'll say, was at its most intense um there must have been how did you feel you know particularly that you know let's say if you can think if it's okay to think back to that day particularly given the well i'll say the emotion that was going around you know people who haven't heard of the grim reaper campaign all that sort of thing what was it like for you it was very hard i think for the the doctors that were giving the, the news because they were only seeing people basically presenting very ill 
mm-hmm. at that stage. So people were getting diagnosed once they developed sickness. Um, it was a very early time for testing. And so what I mean by that was when I asked that stupid cliche question that people ask, you know, how long have I got? You know, mm-hmm. when you get a, a diagnosis or something like that, they told me um, at the most five years back then um, and, mm-hmm. and two years once I had a um, AIDS-related condition. That's what they said. So for me, um, it was a case of um, probably making a few poor choices based on interpreting that news in, in a negative sense. Like I, I was at Melbourne Uni and I dropped out of uni because I thought uh, I wasn't going to be around long enough, you know, to really Finish, make a full yeah. career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... Had after being in hospital, um, it took about six weeks to actually get the result back then. Um, and after getting the result, I did have some good news that um, after my immune system in hospital had dropped down to a quarter of the levels it should be, it had restored itself oh. after about three months and gone up to healthy levels. Cool. So uh, I actually ended up spending a lot of time um, camping and, and living in forests for a while because. It wasn't a great time to be open about HIV. I'd mm-hmm. had some experiences, like even um, uh, my mother, you know, who I love dearly, she's a, a nurse, but um, I remember staying at her house for a while and she didn't want me to share, you know, towels for, like, oh. drying my hands and things like that because she said, you never know, these things can mutate or, you oh. know. So it was a it was a very stigmatising time and told a few friends and, and they'd suddenly disappeared, so... I ended up just um, getting in the car and going camping a lot in, in, in forests, went up to the top of Queensland. <laughs> Had one funny experience back then when I got to Cairns um, at the Centrelink. Um, a, a person marched in and was quite angry and said, you're just on one of these um, on-the-dole type of holidays, you know, you've just not really looking for work. I, I can see no reason why I'm, I'm not going to cut you off benefits right away. And I said, well, said, well, I've actually got this, you know, saying HIV AIDS back then. And the person almost ran out of the room. <laughs> and then about half an hour later, a, another person who was much calmer came in and said, oh, we're going to put you onto sickness benefits. And then um, back then in, in 1990, I was actually put onto the disability support pension without having to see a Commonwealth medical officer because, again, the whole prognosis and the way of looking at it was very negative in terms of not living long, you know, mm-hmm. where, where we know now um, since the era of treatments, since the mid-1990s, it can be a chronic and long-term manageable condition. And as I said, for me, it was the summer of 84, 85. So next year I'm planning on having a a 30th party, 30-year anniversary of of surviving with HIV party, yeah. Wow. There's not... I am not. I don't. I must admit, I don't claim to be an expert on HIV, but my guess is possibly there's not a lot of people who could have that sort of party. Yeah, yeah. There's some people I know. Um, some people who've d- dealt with um, much more amount of illness than I have, and you know, a couple of them who have survived. But for one example, um, like I've had a bisexual background, but um, mm-hmm. I've been in long-term heterosexual relationships as well, and. Back in the um, 1994, I was asked by some people on the People Living with HIV and AIDS Program Management Committee, which I was a member of. Um, there were a few guys in there um, 
who were forming a group um, for heterosexuals living mm. with HIV, and they asked me to come in and, and be part of forming that group, which I did. Um, to give some context back then, like um, a couple of those guys were living with haemophilia. You know, I think they're often a, a forgotten part of this pandemic. You know, history ah. in Australia, um, unfortunately. Most all the, all the people I knew uh, who formed that group, there were five guys. Um, mm-hmm. um, they've all died. I'm the only one that's alive now. And, and particularly with the haemophilia condition, it was such a difficult health condition to manage, let alone having HIV. And it was just a couple of years before the good treatments came in. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've seen many people die. I've cared for many people in hospital and mm-hmm. in the days um, back before there were treatments when basically the human body had no defences, no immune system and it was very hard to watch but I've only done that probably about half a dozen times and I remember um, once um, I got a job working on doing an audio archiving of the Victorian AIDS Council um, support network which used to do all the caring for people before the era of treatments and just hearing the stories of those support workers back then who did it you know week in week out year in year out just constant caring for people and and seeing people you know die with a lot of difficulty I think they're really incredible people those people who who did that and I think they need to be remembered as well as the people who've passed away because of what they gave yeah Here, here. Look, a lot in there. Um, I've got a burning question for you um, to talk about as well. Um, But if anyone is, a couple of things, if anyone is um, listening, um, you know, and finding any of this distressing, um, please call um, switchboard slash QLife on 039663-2939-1800-184527 around Australia. But I think that what we're talking about is sometimes forgotten in the context of today's community. I know people, if I can mention this station like yourself and James McKenzie, who kept the issue alive is really important. We've got also got some important things to say that it's not just about on a past era, but we've got lots to talk about. You're on 3CR, 855 AM, digital, 3cr.org.au, with Out of the Pan with Sally and very, very special guest, um, Peter Davis and his an appropriate track, which I think I can dedicate, well, to probably both those we've lost and their carers from Nicolette Forte. Like in Canada and in Australia, they cannot discharge tailings directly into the riverways. But in Pogara, they discharge their tailings in the waterways and they kill us and they say, it's okay, you are just being killed for trespassing. Subscribe to 3CR bringing you voices and opinions the mainstream media don't dare touch. They have the exclusive right to extract the mineral below six feet, but that exclusive right does not permit them also to kill people. Who does the killing? The company has a specially arranged security forces. Subscribe today. Call 9419 ticket in the 3CR raffle and you could be in the running to win these great prizes, kindly donated by local businesses. A fantastic crumpler bag, a gift pack from Vegan Wares, a $100 gift voucher from Polyester, and a new poster art book from Horton Books. Crumpler, Vegan Wares, 
Polyester and Horton Books are all 3CR supporters. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. And the two tracks we've had so far, we heard prior to the messages. Yes, alternative voices, and support those voices by buying a raffle ticket. But we heard some independent music from Nicolette Forte from two thousand and thirteen. Hold your hand, a song about. Um, well, relationships of all sorts and connections of all sorts, including caring, I suppose, um, and giving and receiving. And we opened up today in a summertime mood. It's his Summer in the Southern Hemisphere with Don Henley from The Boys of Summer from his second solo album in 1984, Building the Perfect Beast. Probably the one that really launched him. His first album was great, but it was sort of a um, a last remnant of Eagles in a sense, um, um, but lots of with lots of the Timothy B. Schmidt and Joe Walsh on the album, but um, this one he really moved in to his own with Dan Korchmar, Greg Ladani and others involved. So coming back to Peter Davis, wow, I, I'll i be quite upfront um, and say that I, I was really moved by your comments just before we had the music and messages. There was also something that jumped out at me. You said that you're having a 30-year survival party. Yeah. Um, going back to the time 30 years ago when you got the news and through those 30 years, can I ask what's kept you going? What has been the strengths that have worked for you to survive when so many people didn't? I'd like to say there were particular things, but I think the main thing was actually I was just very lucky. Um, I was given a diagnosis of being a, a long-term non-progressor after a period of time and they started mm-hmm. to take... Um, at the hospital where they started to take large amounts of my blood in investigating why some people, um, very small percentage, like less than a couple of percent, weren't progressing to illness when others did. Um, I guess I also, back then in about 1988, was lucky to be part of a support group around complementary therapies um, and HIV. There was a, a man called John Marriott who's died now and he actually... Um, was a, a real character who um, spent six months of the year in San Francisco and six months of the year here in Melbourne. Um, he was a, a gay male who supported the HIV community a lot in the early days when there was no hope. He gave us our first hope about curing ourselves with complementary therapies. He was the first guy to appear on national news as openly living with AIDS. Uh-huh. And so I joined John's group and started doing lots of things like vitamin C and um, Chinese um, herbal medicine and have been seeing a naturopath at a place called the Positive Living Centre, mm-hmm. which is a service for people with HIV for 20 years. And I managed to go for 20 years um, before I started um, getting sick again. And then suddenly, uh, at the 20-year mark, I went up to the... What, they have a test called the viral load, which counts the amount of virus per mill of blood. And I went up to the maximum level detectable at that 20-year mark and started just feeling very tired and achy and stuff and, and was lucky that treatments were available and went on to treatments and um, quickly went down to undetectable um, HIV viral load in, in my blood and semen. Unfortunately, that little sneaky virus hides inside the bone marrow and in, in the spinal fluid where the treatments can't reach, so that's why there's no cure. Oh. But um, I've been doing extremely well on these treatments with some side effects. Um, at the eight-year mark on the treatments, I did have a, a heart attack, which was um, 
one side effect of the treatments is they alter the way our body breaks down um, lipids and I kept getting elevated cholesterol. Okay. And um, I was lucky enough actually to have been in hospital at the time <laughs> when I had that. So You've I got to have quick, one, that's yeah. the place, yeah. <laughs> so I did reasonably well and um, so I've just been very lucky overall that I think I've had some sort of immune system that's responded very well to this infection where other people um, unfortunately didn't have that luck so I have to really put it down to luck a lot must have some force with you on your side spirit whatever though Um, luck doesn't luck doesn't luck comes to those who deserve it Um, maybe you know maybe one other thing is I remember in the early support group I talked about you know with John Marriott yeah and there was this like eight guys sitting around this room that day and all of them have died now um, but I remember John saying to the group, um, he had a question, if, if you could all live to 100, you know, would you? And everyone was going, oh, yeah, I would, but I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd have to have my mental faculties or, you know, I'd have mm. to be able to get around. And I remember John thumping his hand on the table and saying, no, you just say yes. <laughs> and that's will to live, you know. You want to live no matter what. And so I guess I put it down to that lesson a bit too about, having will to live, to just want to be alive. And life can be pretty hard. We can all go through periods such as many people um, with HIV now are on antidepressants and things like that. But one thing that we can never forget is no matter what happens in our life, um, never lose that will to live. You know, because it's a precious gift <laughs> that we've got in this life to be alive. Yeah. Fifteen years on radio. I think you've just given me a highlight of fifteen years with that, Peter. Um, you know, that says it all. I, 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 I was breathing in what you said, and I think that you know, tra- in a sense, translating that off across to many, and I'll say at least GL, but BT and probably I as well, where many face so much depression and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's a great message to share across communities, and probably, of yeah. course, for any person. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to go. You've just given me a 15 year radio highlight. Oh, um, I hope. Yeah, don't give up your will to live. It's, you know, don't give up your. It's like giving up your dignity. You never give up your dignity and you never give up your will to live. Yeah. Yep. And you've gone on for yeah. 30 years and we're going to yeah. talk about perhaps what you do, uh, still do, and yep. what you have done over those 30 years after, well, um, sometimes shows plan themselves serendipitously. Um, here's. Um, Keith Richards and the expensive winos from their live album at the Hollywood Palladium in 1988 and doing a Rolling Stones song that I think is appropriate enough. Happy 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au, out of the pan with Sally and very special guest in World AIDS Week, Peter Davis. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au. Well, in line with Peter Davis, our guest today's inspiring words just before that track, the only way to be is happy. Three, um, Keith, Keith Richards and the ex-pensive ex- winos, Waddy Wachtel, Charlie Drayton, um, Ivan Neville, um, and many, many, and others. Um, Steve Jordan, Sarah Dash, and Bobby Keys are also on that album at a time when Keith and Mick were having a bit of shenanigans between themselves, so, you know, a bit of um, fighting, and um, that's from the live album and Keith's um, solo album. Um, which came out a couple of years before that, had the song very um, bluntly directed at Mick, you don't move me anymore, but in the end they were moved. But I'm more moved by Peter Davis's story, um, and so with apologies <clears throat> to Keith, 
I cut him short on that one as much as it was a great jam. Um, Peter, you talked about, you know, 30 years, and in 30 years you've done a lot of speaking, you're still doing it and finding out, well, more about where HIV is at. Um, now, tell, tell, perhaps start by telling us um, in this part what you do in terms of that speaking. Yeah, for 20 years I've been part of uh, the Positive Speakers Bureau, which is currently part of the program of Positive Living Victoria, formerly known as People Living with HIV AIDS Victoria. Mm -hmm. And we go out into schools and we tell our personal stories of how we caught HIV and uh, how we've lived with it. And it's really unique. Um, it's to year 9 to year 12, so from 15 to sort of 18-year-old age group. And they get mm -hmm. to hear someone like, in my case, around their parents' age, mm -hmm. um, just opening a doorway into our lives um, and not talking at them like saying, oh, you should do this, but just telling them what we did, <laughs> what we got up to. And they get a context, like they get to hear about it. And I'm very open about a lot of things, open about sexuality. Um, I think the more open I can be, it gives kids a chance to think about it for themselves. I talk about bisexuality mm -hmm. a lot yeah. with the kids because um, I know where I went to school was really very homophobic mm -hmm. and it took me a while to grow out of that you know when I moved to St Kilda and had a great chance at the Prince of Wales Hotel to meet people um, so I just I'm just very open about that and you can see sometimes the kids that you know sit up the back with folded arms and you know look a bit or start you know snickering in that but they're only like a, a really small percentage of the kids mm. and I find that the um, younger generation is um, much more able to think independently and for themselves and you know homophobia still does exist out there in the schools but I guess I just try to talk about it with my experiences um, that I was curious um, about exploring my sexuality at a, at a younger age um, the first time I went out with a guy um, because I had a bit of that internalized homophobia inside myself from growing up my way to handle it was to get so drunk that I just remember the next morning, you know, I don't remember the night. Wow. Um, so that was my way of feeling comfortable in that situation. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to start, you know, feeling comfortable um, being with um, guys. I also talked to the kids in schools about um, how I discovered, you know, the first time I saw two guys kissing when I was setting up the bar at the Prince of Wales one night, I had this very clear thought in my head that this is a chance to... You know, think for myself to to look and see for myself, mm -hmm. and it was just a very <coughs> simple and <clears throat> very loving experience of two guys passionately kissing, and I just mm. had this thought, you know, um, they're just looking, they're just finding love, yeah. and and that's the message we say <clears throat> in the schools. Like, you know, there's a lot of negative shit going down in this world, like wars and all this other stuff. You know, what's the point in, you know being heavy towards people who are just trying to find love, you know, putting negativity towards love. Like, we need more love in the world. And it, yeah. hopefully it makes the school kids think for themselves because often by the end of a talk, um, the maybe the one who asks a silly question or something like that, you know, or a, mm. a, a prejudicial question, I don't even have to um, respond like the rest of the kids in the group, sort them out, you know, and say, <laughs> stop being silly, you know, and catch up. Yeah. Shut up. You know, yeah. Mature. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry about this. <clears throat> and, you know, sort of respect our guest and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and it's the openness. Um, my motto with the talking is not to be like the most professional speaker in the world, but to try and be as vulnerable and as open as I can. And that laying down and giving up all defences, I think that earns people's respect in the long term more than anything. 
That's wow. There is just there is just a mountain in what everything you've just said. Um, you know that talk about it, get it open, and young people respond. And I look, I you know totally mm. with you on so many great young pets. You know, overwhelmingly yeah. the shift in schools. I um, yeah. earlier this year was down at a, a camp for young women um, at Summers, and the previous yeah. year someone had come out as a trans man, and the whole. All the young people there, the, we'll say staff and volunteers, yeah, if you need to transition now, that's fine. They're just yeah. lot, a lot of people cool with it. And similarly at the boys' camp, um, some people had come out as gay and one person as a trans woman, but that was harder to, you know, say start transitioning at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it is – I think we do have – by, by and large, and I'm going to use that yeah. as a, a pun because there's a yeah. – um, to talk to lead into the next segment. How yeah. do you think – Generationally, we're going on bisexuality slash pansexuality, etc. Specifically, you know, where are we? What's your personal thoughts on that, or you know, we'll say opinion? I still think bisexuals are a minority. You know, within say, for instance, in the HIV community, a, yep. a minority grouping is the HIV people in Australia, and we certainly bisexuals living with HIV are a real minority within that minority, mm. um, and. We can be seen, I think, sometimes prejudicially because of negative stories that are, are out there, such as um, males um, being in a in a, a relationship and then having sex outside the relationship. Which is, I know, the people that have told those stories said, you know, they've got no objections to any of that. It was just the fact that they wished there'd been more communication mm. and openness in the relationship, so they knew what was going on and could have made yep. their choices too. But those couple of stories that you hear sometimes, there's, there's, there's numerous stories also amongst um, I've heard from the women speakers that I speak with who've contracted HIV in that situation. Yeah. And those stories can put a, a, a negative cloud on, on bisexuals generally and, and bisexuals can be sometimes perceived as more promiscuous or unfaithful when I think heterosexuals, you know, all members of GLBTI community, we all know that people can be unfaithful or totally. faithful. And it depends on the relationship you're in, whether if it's polyamorous and it's open and communicative. Mm-hmm. And as we said at the start, like the key is just being able to communicate. If you can't communicate who you are and what you want and need and how you behave to someone that you're that close with, then that's the problem. It's not being able to talk, you know. If you can talk, you can sort out everything, you know, from there. Yeah. Yep, keep speaking for yourself. And, you look, you've hit it on the yeah. head, and my understanding is there's at least re- some research from overseas that compare that um, breaks down faithfulness by sexual, we'll say sexual orientation for starters, um, yeah. gay, lesbian, bi, gay, lesbian, heterosexual, we'll say bisexual, pansexual, other, mm. and it's pretty much equal. Yeah, it's and, what I believe too, yeah. you know, sort of... Yeah. There can be, um, you know, I've heard of people not living up to the, we'll say, the prearranged rules in polyamorous relationships, but lots do. But, of course, lots don't in monogamous relationships as well. And that sense of fear Mm. and jealousy and all those sorts of things come up so well. So I'm, you know, know, great that you mentioned that. And, of course, next um, late January, early February, we've got Janet Hardy coming out to Australia, which um, I think we could say one of the... um, you know, we'll say the presidents, we won't be monarchist of polyamory, um, yeah. which I think is going to be awesome. There's lots of workshops and yeah. talks happening to find out more yeah. about that. Um, but, um, yeah, um, I agree, you know, I think the bisexuality things, 
come, you know, sort of moving in the right direction. But I suppose the aspect is if, to go back to where you said, oh, you're, in mm. inverted commas, old enough to be these young people at school's parents, how, yeah. in terms of HIV, does that relate to them? You know, sort of, because, you know, what's happening for younger people in HIV, I suppose? In our talks in the schools, we also, at the start, just before the personal stories, we do a, a PowerPoint presentation giving them all the facts around STIs. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like we went down to Warrnambool this year. We go down to all regions of Victoria, country cool. regions, and we do these tours for a few days, speaking in many schools. And um, that southern western region of Victoria has one of the highest rates of chlamydia in, in Australia, oh. in infection. And just in the last year, a, a small town called Portland, or a small city, Portland, um, has had fi- um, three three HIV infections amongst the 15 to 24-year-old group in just a small town like that. And the other piece of uh, information is that amongst new infections, it's estimated that 23% of new infections now in the last year could be attributable to heterosexual contact. So we um, pass the message on to young people um, that... We're actually giving you a chance just to get the info out yeah. there. And once you know this info, like the, the, the only one that's really not curable and that's dangerous is HIV. And so if you always wear a condom, you won't get that. And, mm. and to just find out where you can get the sexual health checkups. You know, for a lot of kids in rural areas, it's, it's hard. They might not want to get their parents' Medicare card or the local mm-hmm. GP knows the family. So we work very closely with the health educators, like the school nurses. And, cool. And they supply kids with information in the local areas of where they can get confidential sexual health checkups. So the basic message is, you know, most of these things are easily curable, like chlamydia, it's just one antibiotic tablet and it's gone. Yeah. It can be silently hiding inside you for a couple of years and, you know, doing damage if you don't get a sexual health checkup. But So get a, a sexual health checkup at least once a year and wear a condom and you won't catch HIV and, and go for it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, safe and consensual, uh, yeah. the, you know, always those two, you know, operative words yeah. and, you know... Um, you know, um, condoms, gloves, dams, um, yeah. lots of safe practices. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking whilst it's not so much for those in, engaged in intimacy, but yeah. I'm thinking of some of the training I do in terms of aged care workers and yeah. it's designed to counter myths that exist. And we talk about HIV and just say, look, you know, if you use universal precautions, you're not going yeah. to catch HIV. It can't be right. transmitted by you know, all this, the, the, some of the myths that you are talking about earlier. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it is really good to get, you know, facts yeah. out there and to have that personal aspect in there is just, you know, phenomenal. So, um, you know, right on the button. But that is really, I have to say, quite scary that yeah. we, you know, we think, well, we've last sort of, you know, and the, I'm saying this, we'll say in inverted commas, oh, yeah, we've got this licked. It's a previous cohort in terms of HIV, in terms of age. Yeah. And now there's, you know, STIs and possibly HIV, you know, affecting people um, wider than what it was in the 80s. So it does present something to think about in terms of getting the message out to Mm. new people who just haven't heard of what happened in the 80s. Yep, and it's a positive time too because the the three 
um, bodies representing HIV, um, Positive Living Victoria, um, Straight Arrows that represents the heterosexuals and Positive Women. Um, there's a, a lot of emphasis from the health department now to come under the one umbrella and to work together. And I th- there's actually a meeting happening next week as, as part of the 7th National HIV AIDS Strategy um, mm-hmm. with the three um, groups invited to work together. So that's exciting now that... Um, we have the chance to really work as one community and, and to represent all the issues from, you know, GLBTI um, point of view, from heterosexuals living with HIV, from women's issues under the one yep. meeting, under the one umbrella and have them all under the table because there's a lot of commonality with yes. the issues that are affecting people living with HIV. And so when we can get all voices heard, I think we're going to be a lot stronger and it's a very positive time. Yeah, look, I think I think you've hit it on the head there that, yeah. you know, well, I think we do need, you know, it's, people say, oh, why don't we have one big organisation or why, why do we have so many small groups? And yeah. I think that there's advantages and, you know, it's just a matter of making sure, well, we're talking about communication, yeah. that we communicate together, work together where there's common mm. ground, but we need specialised spaces. I mean, we need yes. a bi chat group, for example, yeah. For, yeah. that's primarily focused on bi and it perhaps, you know, um, mm. But we also need to build across communities, GLBT, IHIV, sex workers, um, yeah. um, kink, whichever else, and find common ground. And when we work together, we often find, mm. I sometimes think this can be over-cliched, but we find we've got more in common than we have different. Yeah. And the yeah. groups can still exist as single entities with their own management yep. committees, but they come together at special times. Um, yeah. And particularly for bisexuals, I think often in the past, historically, they've been mentioned as like when there's forums about preventing STI transmission, you know, it's often bisexuals will get um, mentioned then as possible risk factors of mm. STI transmission, but not a lot of um, actual peer support or personal support services, you know, and articles or stories of, of bisexual people like living with HIV. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you're um, one of the leaders on that one because... Um, going back to Poslink number 68 from October to December 2013, yeah. page 20, you have an article in there, um, livingpositivevictoria.org.au, and follow the links to download issue number 68, yeah. which talks a lot about this. Um, yeah. And, you know, I feel, I just, you know, I feel like you're somewhat of a pioneer in a, Victoria and possibly Australia in this area. I'm sure there are others I just don't know about. Yeah. But it is appreciated. We need a diversity of personal stories. Yeah. And yours certainly adds to that. Yeah, and, and realisation too that sexuality is quite fluid and you know people go through changes in their life. And um, I've had long um, monogamous heterosexual relationships, but when I come out of that heterosexual relationship, I can still consider myself a, a bisexual man, you know. Yeah, well, and, and I do during the relationship as well. I never lose that part of myself, and I, I need to feel that's respected inside the community. That you know, we we are fluid. We go through different stages, but we know who we are ourselves. And you know, if we come out as bi, that's who we are. Yeah. Oh, look, look, totally. And yeah. um, you know, we're bi over the course of our life. We don't. Yeah. You know, we're not you know heterosexual in one relationship, gay or lesbian in another. And I am saying yeah. we. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it takes some time for people that to get through to people but you know yeah. and so hang on this is our identity you don't tell yeah. us who we are <laughs> so i think that's important yeah. to get across as well so it is really really great that someone like yourself yeah. is in there 
um, to use one of my favourite sayings, a bee buzzing in, so to speak. Yeah, well, you don't want a situation where, say, yeah. there's a pride march and someone's been in a heterosexual relationship for a year and, you know, they're not feeling, oh, am I as still a part of things now that I've been in this relationship? Of course you are, you know, because it's who you say you are and how you've come out. And as you say, like, if you're bisexual, you're bisexual for life. And Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you are. Um, yep. Um, um, bye for life. I like that too. Getting lots of long time quotes out of this. Out of my my favourite one is um, I'm, I'm pretty fly for a bye guy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty fly for a bye guy. Okay, there's another one. Um, you know, there was. That's, that's a huge exaggeration. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, um, you know, that's actually um, a really good link in, in a way, because there is, of course, I can't, I can't remember the name of the band who originally did Pretty Fly for a white guy, yeah. um, but of course, Weird Al Yankovic did the send-up Pretty, um, Pretty Fly for a rabbi. Yeah. And so talking Jewish, <laughs> um, that was a blatant segue. Stephen Gelman is someone we've played on the show before, an American-based artist, and he's um, released an album, Songs of Winter's Cheer, in live with our seasonal um, aspects. Yeah. We're diverse. We respect the Northern Hemisphere. And it's got Christmas and Jewish songs. So I thought, he, um, as we sort of head towards that season, here's a Hanukkah medley. <laughs> let's hit it. <laughs> so let's hit it. 3CR, 855 AM, digital, 3cr.org.au. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Peter Davis. Welcome to the Public Bar Gig Guide for December. Tuesday the 2nd of December will be Sleep Decade, Air Fuller and Nick Smethurst, while on Friday the 5th of December will be the Nate Stock Festival, featuring Down River, Schwat, 23rd of Elvis and Pan. On Saturday the 6th of December, Worm and Crown, Beast and Flood, Tangrams and Shaking Hell. Sunday the 7th of December at Sunday School will be Bodies, Die Cut, The Loveless, George Mack and more, all starting at 3pm and free entry. Monday the 8th of December, Bent, Mad Nana, School Damage and The Shifters. Friday the 12th of December, The Out of Towners, The Transitions, Street Fangs and Notwithstanding. While on Saturday the 13th of December, Drain Life, Crossed, Cynical Fuckwit, Cabin Fever, Stoning and Grudge will all be playing. Sunday the 14th of December at Sunday School will be Small World Experience. While on Thursday the 18th of December, the Main Beach, Willow Darling and the Honey Badgers. Friday the 19th of December will be Heartaches, Foley and Speech Patterns. And Saturday the 20th of December features Summer Blood, Enedia, Cosmic Kahuna and The Furrows. Sunday School on the 21st of December features Fraud Band and Rat Filth. While on Monday the 22nd of December will be Matt Borg Trio, Strum Rebellion and Tony Robinson. Saturday the 27th of December will be Brittle Bones, O Pacific, Pigtails and Twin Throats. While on Sunday the 28th of December, the final Sunday school for the year will be Crazy Bill's Pool Supplies and Glaciers. The Public Bar at 238 Victoria Street, North Melbourne are proud 3CR supporters. If you're too busy to listen to 3CR Live, catch up on a podcast or audio on demand. At 3CR's website, www.3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital. Three CR.org.au. Better wrap it up and move out. Could have um, found much more to explore with Peter Davis, our special guest today. Um, just heard from Stephen Goldman from his Songs of Winter's Cheer live from Hill Chapel. Um, both Judaism and Christianity in there, um, so that's diverse. And um, Hanukkah medley next week, or or the week final show of the year on the 
um, 21st, um, you're definitely going to get a Jewish Christmas from Stephen, a fabulous artist, and check out hiddenpoet.com for Stephen's work. Um, Amongst many things, our guest Peter Davis is a bit of a poet and writer, but we're running out of time. Peter, anything else um, you want to wrap up on before we um, head out? And for those listening on Sunday, hand over to Freedom of Species. Just thinking um, we've been hearing the Christmas songs. Um, it makes me think we've got coming up in a couple of weeks a, a big social function for all the kids and families living with HIV, mm-hmm. and it'll be a big day in, in the park. And like talking about myself being positive for 30 years, um, I've also seen... Um, kids who have been born positive um, mm-hmm. actually go on to finish university degrees now. So it's, a, it's an amazing um, transition from those earlier, gloomier days now to where it is now. Yeah. yeah, that's, I think, a really good note to finish on. Other things that are happening um, just over the next week, um, for this afternoon, the Butch Femme Trans Picnic is on at Edinburgh Gardens if you're listening on Sunday. Bent TV on tomorrow night, although transmission time has wrapped up. Um, but always tune in to Bent TV, 10 o'clock Mondays. Um, TG Meetup at DT's and the Trans Anxiety Discussion and Support Group in Carlton. Contact Transgender Victoria for more details. Um, Seahorse um, in the eastern suburbs on Saturday night. Chains for the Kingsters, um, that gets us through the week. Great. Peter, you're, I'm going to say it, and I don't care if anyone else doesn't agree, you're a legend in my opinion. <laughs> I've loved being on, on this show and, and speaking with you, Sally. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for everything you do for the communities. You too. Plural. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. HIV, words, everything, 3CR. Um, yeah. One of those people where you look up volunteer in the dictionary and there's your picture, I think. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, Better take it out and um, leave it today in the sort of seasonal theme with a little bit of um, Andrew Pendlebury's version of the Gershwin classic Summertime from his 1992 album, Don't Hold Back That Feeling. Don't hold it back. Live posit- um, live, um, live happily. Um, you know, sort of um, live, you want to live, want to live with dignity and enjoy the summertime. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.